The following is from East Delta Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at www.eastdeltabc.com. Some great music this morning and some great messages behind those songs. If you would, turn to Proverbs chapter 23. Is it okay with y'all if I meddle a little bit today? Say amen. <laughs> that wasn't many amens. Let me try it again. Is it okay if I meddle in your business a little bit today? Say amen. That really wasn't much better, was it? <laughs> well, let me tell you, I'm going to. Maybe. Maybe not. But I want to invite you to do this. If I say anything that's not in God's Word, you let me know. Because I'm going to preach about something that uh, maybe shouldn't be, but could be maybe controversial to you. And uh, I'm going to preach right out of God's Word. I'm not going to give you my opinions, maybe a little bit. But for the most part, we're going to look at what God's Word had to say about alcohol and social drinking. That's right in God's Word. Not something that I just decided to make up today and, uh, and see if I could stir up some trouble. I just want to look at what God's Word has to say about alcohol and social drinking. In Proverbs chapter 23 is where we find this. Down in verse 29, so Proverbs chapter 23, go down to verse 29, and let's look at what God's Word has to say about this subject that we're going to talk about today. And it starts out with a question, and the question is this, who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has strife? Who has complaints? Who has needless bruises? And who has bloodshot eyes? Then he answers the question in verse 30. Those who linger over wine and those who go to sample, bowl, sample bowls of mixed wine. Verse 31, if you were today going to say what is the place you can find the most wisdom in the Bible, you would probably say Proverbs. Uh, Solomon was the wisest man in the Bible. Uh, Proverbs was written, a lot of this, is, a lot of it has to do with David, a lot of it has to do with Solomon. And a lot of these uh, Proverbs we read uh, are just about some of the wisdom that Solomon learned in his life, the wisest man in the Bible. In 31 it says, do not gaze at wine when it is red. We're going to talk about what that means this morning, stay with me. When it sparkles in the cup and it goes down smoothly... In the end, it bites like a snake and poison like a viper. Your eyes will see strange sights, your mind imagine confusing things. You'll be like one sleeping on high seas, lying on top of the rigging, washing back and forth. They hit me, you say, but it doesn't hurt. They beat me, but you don't feel it. And when I wake up, I wake up so I can find another drink. That's what Proverbs has to say about this topic. In the United States, we could probably all agree we have a drug problem in the United States. We can talk about cocaine. We can talk about marijuana. We can talk about meth. We can talk about heroin. Uh, we can talk about many, many kind of drug problems we have in the United States. There's many. But folks, America's number one drug problems is not any of these illegal substances. The number one problem in America is called alcohol. And that's not my opinion. Most deaths 
more deaths uh, in the United States are caused by alcohol. 55% of all highway-related deaths are caused by alcoholism. Number one killer of liver, liver problems, powerful addictions, that all goes to alcohol. It's the most addicted drug in the United States. There are over 17 million alcoholics today in America, and that's rising. By far, that outnumbers any other drug use. 17 million in rising. It causes the most misery today. There's more death, disability, addictions than any other drug that we talked about at the beginning. Cocaine, marijuana, meth, heroin. So the thing I believe and the reason it's so prevalent is this, it's so easy to get. I mean, it's as easy to get as a bottle of ketchup. <laughs> you know, it's as easy to get as a, as a bottle of shampoo or a bottle of milk. Uh, it's just another bottle. Listen to this. $25 billion will be spent on alcohol this year. Not million, $25 billion. Uh, most uh, dangerous drugs, you know, that we talked about, they don't come in a bottle. Uh, but on this drug that we're talking about, on these cans or on these bottles, there's no warning signal. You all remember, when I was a kid, you all remember the Marlboro Man? There's been, Marlboro Man's been in a lot of commercial or a lot of conversation. You know, I remember when I was a kid, he was on TV. Y'all remember that? And he would be a rugged cowboy guy with a leather vest on and a cowboy hat, you know, and he would have a Winston, I think. Weren't they Winston? That's what I smoked. Oh, Marlboro's. Uh, what? He did, I like Winston's better, I guess. No. Uh, anyway, uh, they are the Marlboro man. <laughs> That's what, all right. Get off me now, I'm a little nervous about this subject already this morning. But y'all remember, they, they said you can't, you can't do that anymore because it's dangerous to your health. So you can't show those commercials on TV anymore. Still don't show them, do they? But what about alcohol? There's no label that says this is the number one producer of death, this is the number one producer of addicts, and this is a number one producer of misery. There's no warning labels at all on what we say today. Advertisers will spend $600 million this year telling you what to drink. So we're going to spend $25 billion. They're going to spend $600 million telling what you are to drink. On our television, uh, they used to limit alcoholism to beer. I mean, uh, commercials to beer. As of January the 1st, 2012, now they advertise hard liquor. Uh, who's the guy that, uh, uh, I don't know if it's hard liquor or not, the uh, most beautiful guy in the world who, most interesting man in the world. Is that a beer? That's beer? Okay. I don't know, but anyway. Uh, I, I think there's a lot of things we could do with that commercial. We won't do that this morning. So... So why are so many telling us we should drink? And, and I don't mind today sharing with you what God's Word has to say about it. I, I don't mind doing that, and I hope you don't mind hearing, because this is what God's Word has to say about this subject. 
And when we look at God's Word, it gives us the description of alcohol, it gives us the destruction of alcohol, it gives us the deception of alcohol, and it also gives us deliverance from that. So that's going to be our topics today, and we're going to go. We were late getting started, and I'll try to wrap up in time this morning to be home by noon, and, uh, and, and we can go on with our day, but hopefully there will be something said this morning that will really make you think about what God's Word has to say about alcohol and about social drinking. The first thing this is, God's Word describes uh, alcohol. And, and here's a blanket command given by God concerning the use of alcoholic beverage. In verse 31 of this Proverbs we just read, it basically says this, don't look at it. Just don't look at it. And, and there's some controversy about what does that subject wine mean. And, and wine in the Bible is kind of a generic term. It's a generic term, and it's generally a term that sometimes or many times refers to an intoxicating beverage, or at times it may not be talking about that. So let's kind of get that straightened out of why uh, we would say that that word has different meanings, and it's not much different than a word that we would use as drink. And uh, I want some amens and some ahs. Uh, this weekend I got all of my garden planted, me and Denise. Amen. But boy, my arms are killing me. Uh, come on, y'all. Uh, we also went over and worked on my dad's barn and got a bunch of tin put up. But my back is killing me. Now, I, those are all true. <laughs> I took four Advil, I mean four Aleve this morning. Amen. <laughs> uh but I got out and uh, I got out and yesterday in my overalls and I took my shirt off and I think my neighbor was peeking at me. <laughs> Some of y'all know who my neighbor is. She's in here this morning. <laughs> but uh, I say all that to say, if uh, what the word drink, uh, we use that word drink a lot. And if I said yesterday during all that to Denise, I need a drink, what would she think? She would probably think water. That's what I drink the most of. Believe it or not, I drink mostly water. I even drink more of that than I do tea. Drink very few soda pops. But, but we would understand that. If you go a restaurant with a bar attached and the waitress or waiter comes to you and say, would you like a drink before your meal? What do you think they're probably talking about? Alcohol. I mean, we use that same word. If you're traveling down the road and you have your children in the back seat with you and one of them says, Hey, can we stop and get a drink? What are they talking about? Coke, soda pop, something like that. So when you read these things and you think, okay, you're talking about wine and you're saying it have a bunch of different meanings, there's no way. Well, that's true. Drink has a lot of different meanings. And we just can say a word and, and pretty much understand, hey, I know what you're talking about. If, if this morning, Brother Doug back here, if he was coming in the door and he said, uh, uh, I, I'm going to get a drink here before I go into the sanctuary. We'd probably understand. He's talking about water fountains right out there, and, and I'm going to get a drink right quick. If he leaves a business meeting next Wednesday night and we've been all up in arms, he may say, I'm going to go home and have me a drink. <laughs> What's he talking about? Boy, that got quiet, didn't it? <laughs> He's talking about milk. What else would he be talking about? So... I want, I want to introduce you a couple of, of, of words, and the thing that we don't have in our Bibles today is a lot of times we don't have 
the Greek words that, that really had a meaning behind them. We simply see the word wine, but there are several different words that were used in describing this. The first is this, shikar. That's a, a Hebrew word which indicates intoxicants. That's what intoxicated comes from, that word shikar. And always that word is translated, especially in King James Version, as strong drink. So if you're reading and you find something that says strong drink, its, it's word in Hebrew is shikar, which means something that would make you intoxicated. So a strong drink. Without exception, that word means some kind of, of strong drink or some kind of narcotic. That's what that word translates to. There's a, there's a big difference in the word that, that we see the next word, and let me find it here. Uh, it, it's a word that means that which would be for medicinal purposes. And I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, the, second, the second meaning is this, and we find in Proverbs... Somebody turn over to Proverbs 31, 4 through 6, or let's all turn over there. I haven't got that in my notes this morning. That first translation, shikar, it's, it's talking about a narcotic, and it's talking about where there's a, a great physical suffering or distress. Proverbs 31, 4 through 6, I want you to see this. It says this, It's not for kings, Olamel, not for kings to drink wine, not for rulers to crave beer, lest they drink and forget what law they, they decree, all deprived and all oppose their rights. So, uh, give, give beer to those who are perishing, wine to those who are in anguish. And we can, we can read verse 7 too. Let them drink and forget their poverty and remember their miseries no more. So when we see that, that's, that's kind of the word that's being described here. That's what, that's what the psalmist is describing. Now we're going to refer back to that verse in, in just a minute. Uh, alcohol is still used today in medicinal purposes, for medicinal reasons. There's, uh, there's the Baptist bourbon. Y'all know what that is? It's NyQuil. It's 25% alcohol. That's used today in medicinal purposes. That, that's as a narcotic, that word secar, that's the same idea there. It's used today. Hospitals used to use a lot of liquor and a lot of drink in their, uh, their sedating and different things to relieve pain and different things. There's better drugs than that now, so they use different drugs to, to accomplish that task of, of re, uh, relieving pain. So that has nothing to do with social drinking. Those are uh, used as a narcotic, and the Bible describes them that way, and the King James Version translated as strong drink. The second is this, triage, which is new wine, and it's referring to grape juice, non-intoxicating. That's what the Bible describes. Isaiah 65 eight talks about new wine is found on the cluster, still in the vine. So you talk about grapes, and they grow in a cluster, and they're on the vine. And, and that word, triage, when you see that word, and it's, it's talking about a new wine that's, that's in the cluster. What is new wine? If you take grapes, and you, you crush them, and you squeeze them into juice, what are they? They're grape juice. They're a new wine, but they haven't been fermented yet. So, so there's times in the Bible when that, when that triage, that, that new wine is found, and it's described in the Scripture. We're going to get to these in just a minute. There's another term called yayin, and it, it may be fermented, fermented. It may not be. It's, to, it's depending on the context it's used in. So as we're describing this word, we see it used in different contexts. And I think it's Isaiah chapter 16, verse 10. It'll be up on the... Uh, the screen there, 
They're in the vineyard and the, the, the treaders are stepping on the grapes and what's exploding out of the grapes, the, the juice is exploding out of the grapes, the wine, but it's not fermented because they're, they're crushing those things. They're, they're making that juice so it's, it's just simply grape juice. So that's, that's the word used to describe that, a new wine, just a, a juice. The same word is used in Proverbs 20 verse 1. And I need to look at that, Proverbs 20, verse 1, and look what it says. It says, Wine is a mocker, and beer is a brawler, and whoever is led astray by them is not wise. That same translation is used there. So we see that one word means it could be fermented, it may not be fermented. So when we read that word and we read that translation, we need to go and say, okay, what is this word talking about? In the New Testament, there's even a fourth word that's used to describe wine. And it's the Greek word onos, and it, it, it also may mean fermented or not fermented. We find that word translated in 1 Timothy 5.23, and it talks about infirmities. It, again, it's talking about medical nature, those type things. And, and in that translation, it's, it, it's talking about using that in infirmities. It's talking about how we use that. Just two chapters previous to that, and I didn't get this on the screen this morning, 1 Timothy 3.8, I don't think I put that on there, Paul describes deacons in the church, and he says they shouldn't be given to wine, too much wine, and that's, that's that same translation, talking about it may be fermented, it may not be fermented. Same translation, the same word is used there. So the distinction is clear that these men of God, it says, shouldn't be drinking socially. That's what it's talking about. In 1 Timothy 5.23, those servants of the Lord, and he uses that word of, of that intoxicating drink. So what does it mean where it says, do not look upon wine when it's red? You know, I don't, Denise and I went, I don't have time to tell you all these stories, but Denise and I went to uh, Fredericksburg, and we, we were poor, you know, we was on our 10th anniversary, and, and uh, there was just wineries everywhere, and it was free tours. Tour this winery for free. So I said, hey, you want to do that? She said, yeah. So we went in. <clears throat> we toured the winery. went out into the vineyards and looked at all the grapes, and she explained a whole lot of things. I found out the reason they had you in there was they wanted to sell you wine. They seated us at a bar when we got through with the tour, and he said, okay, we're going to let you try some of our wine. I said, we don't drink. I'll just try it. They had little crackers there. The crackers were good, <laughs> but if... And we did try it, about four or five different kinds. They'd pour in a little cup and, and uh, said, okay, try this. Boy, we said, okay. We said, ah, it's horrible. Have y'all ever tried some of that stuff? It's terrible. And uh, it's not Tickle Pink, Boone's Farm. You know, it's not that. It's, it's, some, it's some real nasty stuff that's been built there. Well, we went through about six of those things, and I'm, I'm being honest. I, I couldn't keep that bitter beer face off. It just tasted horrible, you know, and, and he knew it. <laughs> and he said, okay, here's the red wine. You'll like this. This is the sweetest wine, and we save it for last because this is the one that everybody likes the best, bitter beer face. I mean, they were just, oh, it's horrible, you know. So we bought some peppers in a bottle <laughs> so we could buy something from them, you know. But anywhere, anyway... It says, don't look on wine when it's red, and here's what that literally means, when it turns rosy. When grape juice turns rosy, it does that through the process of fermentation. 
So when we read here, do not look upon wine when it's fermented, when it's rosary, when it, when it has turned red. And, and the picture he's given us there is, is this a, a process of fermentation. He says we need to stay away from that. So the first place the Bible does not contradict itself, and we can say, well, you, Je Jesus turned water into wine. Well, look at the translation and what word he used. He used that translation of a fresh juice of the vine. You think Jesus would go uh, perform his very first miracle at a wedding and leave the wedding and everybody could just get soused while he leaves? That, that wasn't Jesus' first miracle. Oh, Jake, you're making that up. No, go study it. Go study the word that was used there. He used that, that term of, of fruit from the vine that was, that was crushed, that was pouring out. And I've heard the arguments, and I've heard people say, oh, that was, a, that was a, a fermented wine, and they had to drink that then. No, that was the translation, and what the Hebrew and what the Greek word actually means was that fruit of the vine, and he turned that for people to have a drink when they run out of wine. So that first miracle uh, he performed, we don't need to use that to, to put as our crutch to say, well, Jesus drank, and he turned the water into wine even. And I know there's a lot of churchgoers and maybe even clergymen that say, you know, there's just nothing wrong with that. It's all through the Bible. Well, you go on and believe in that, but go on and read the Bible and see what God's Word has to say about that topic of drinking. Now, here's the second point, is the destruction of alcohol. The Bible is full of the things that, that it is it, it's destructive in nature. You don't have to believe me. Just look at what God's Word said. And if you believe the Bible, the first thing we see is a sorrow factor. That's Proverbs 23, 29. It tells us about sorrow. And I don't have to tell you that, that, that sorrow and, and misery, we see that in people all the time, both Christians and non-Christians, that results from drinking. We see that in people everywhere and all the time. And, and we've seen it turn marriages and ruin marriages and cause divorce. We've seen it turn teens into rebels that ruin their lives in the long run. You see uh, it turns normally docile people into folks that want to fight or wife beaters. What did it say in there? People have bruises that are unnecessary. What do you think that's talking about? Have y'all ever been around someone who's just a, the nicest, sweetest guy, and all of a sudden he gets a little drink, and boy, he's, he's, he's an incredible hulk. He'll face anybody. and he, he, he just throws his mouth in gear all of a sudden. That's what happens. It calls children and homes to be deprived. That happens all the time. Look at the news. Look at what's going on around us. It sends people to an early grave. And I can give you examples of folks like that. That's all tied back to that. That's the destruction factor. There's a contention factor that I just mentioned. A recipe for fighting, for arguing, for, for all kinds of things. Time Magazine says half of all murders are alcohol related. Half of all murders are alcohol-related. You want to drive a wedge between a husband and a wife or a parent or a child or a, a, a friend and a friend, uh, social drinking is a great place to start. If I wasn't running out of time, I could tell you stories of friends of mine. Oh, they wanted to go out to the bar and dance with families. You know what ended up? This husband with this wife and this guy divorced and this wife with this husband. All of that happened, guys I work with. And they'll sit down day and say, well, this is where it started. This is exactly where it started. The Bible says it's the foolishness factor involved also. The one who's normally quiet, maybe even the introvert. That's verse 29. It says babbling. Y'all ever watch Jail? That show on TV is just called Jail. What it is, it's just, 
It's just a, wherever they take you when you're first arrested, they take you into a holding place, and it's the jail, and you're not, you're not before the judge or anything, and they hold you there, and then the charges come, and they give you charges, and then you're released in most cases. Nearly all of those cases have to do with alcohol. You wouldn't believe some of the people. Men and women, they come in there, they're, they're cussing, they're spitting on people, they're fighting, they're doing... They'll, they'll put them in a chair, tie their hands, tie their feet, and put a mask over where they can't spit on everybody. And five or ten hours later, they're like everybody here. They're embarrassed. They're humble. They're saying, I don't know what I did. I don't know what happened. I mean, I mean that's the foolishness factor. I'd say, go watch jail sometimes. You'll be amazed at people before and people after. I thought Maddie, y'all know Maddie on uh, Rooster Cogburn, she's the girl, and she said this, I'd not put an enemy in my mouth to steal my brain. I thought she said that. Shakespeare said that. <laughs> he said, oh, that men would put an enemy in their mouth that would steal away their brains. Uh, a man once said, I drink vodka so you can't smell it on my breath. And his friend said, maybe you should drink something they can smell, for it's better for you to know, for them to know you're a drunk than think you're stupid. Now, that's probably pretty good advice, isn't it? Maybe it's something they ought to smell so they know what's going on. There's another factor. There's a factor of wounds. And verse 29 says it causes wounds. Alcohol kills over 200,000 Americans each year. Now, I want to give you some numbers here. A generation is 40 years, right? So, so 200,000 Americans every year in one generation, that means he kills 8 million out of every generation die from alcoholism. 8 million. How many do you think Hitler killed in the Holocaust? 6 million. Alcohol kills 8 million in the same time frame. The atomic bomb dropped on Hiroshima killed 80,000 people. Nagasaki killed 35,000 people. And yet nearly twice that die every year from alcohol. Nearly twice what was the atomic bomb killed die every year. It's legal, it's advertised, and it's promoted. What's wrong with that picture? Christians, you may say, I don't, I don't really care about that. In nine years, the Vietnam War, 57,000 Americans died fighting for our country. Millions and millions of people protested that war. They walked out in the street. They protested. Americans are dying. Americans are being killed. Where are they today? Where are our protesters today? If we, if we ask those same people, what can we do about SARS, or what can we do about cancer, or what can we do about AIDS... They would flock the streets to raise money, to prevent those things, to find a cure for those things. Well, what about alcohol? If it's any other plague, Americans are up in arms about it. If it's war, we're up in arms about it. September 11 fund, boy, it would skyrocket if we could get folks to understand what alcohol's doing to our country today. It's not me, it's what the Bible says. Hollywood actors, they would build funds for cures, rock and, rock and roll stars, they, you pick them out, they would, they would have benefit concerts to raise money for those things. Scientists would be offering rewards if you can find something that'll, that'll help this, uh, this epidemic for America. But we don't look at that as an epidemic. 
400 Americans will die this week in alcohol-related accidents. That's as many people, or that's more people than you can put on a 747 jet. That's one week. If we had a 747 crash every week for the next four weeks, what would America do? Man, it would be on every news station. Everybody would be saying, we've got to do something. These planes are falling out of the sky. They're killing 400 Americans the last four weeks. But alcohol is doing that. It's killing 400 Americans every week. Boy, the beer barons, they've, they've done a number on us, isn't it? They, they've really done a number on America. And we've sat back and let it happen. If I say the name Bush, what do we think of? Bush Gardens. Man, that Bush Gardens, what a beautiful place. Bush Stadium, what a wonderful place to go play baseball. If we say Cure Coors, maybe think about those snow-capped mountains and those lovely streams. That's what, that's what they sell for us, ain't they? They sell us, man, this is a beautiful place. Look at these things. Man, look at these women you could have. Look at these followers you'll have. If you're going to be happening, it needs to be happening with Bush. If it's going to be happening, if you want to be thirst and you, and you want it to be quenched, come to Coors. It's Rocky Mountain cold. And look at, look at how good it looks. Here comes a train through all the snow. And boy, we're going to quench that thirst for you. But they don't show the other side of that coin. That's what we're looking at today. The mental anguish factor, verse 29 says, the redness of eyes indicates that you've been weeping and not sleeping. That, that redness of eyes, people, people are drinking to try to find happiness. They think this is where it's at. This is, this is, what, this is what's going to bring happiness. This is the answer that I'm looking for. The Bible says this, no, you end up with redness of eyes, a white liver, a dark brown breath, and a yellow streak that comes running out of you. That's where it leads to. Oh, Jake, you're going way overboard today. There's nothing wrong with a drink or two. Look at what God's Word has to say. Health factor, verses 31 and 32. What is the bite of a serpent? It's poisonous. That's what the Scripture says, like the bite of a serpent. You know, sometimes when people drink, what do they do? They throw up, they vomit. You know why? Their stomach's smarter than their heads. Because their stomach's going, hey, I got some poison in here. I need to get it out of my system. But we say, well, there's, there's really nothing wrong with that. I'm looking for fun. After all, that's, that's what everybody does to find fun. There's an immorality factor. We've already discussed that. Verse 33, you know in the King James Version, it says this, strange women. That's what it says. It says it'll lead you to look at strange women. Someone you're not married to. Verse 26 and 27 Alcohol breaks down inhibitions. It, it breaks down restraints. The word that's known here is jest. Candy is dandy, but liquor is quicker. Y'all have heard that, haven't you? Instability. Y'all remember we read in verse 34, like sitting on a ship that's tossed around by the waves. Jail. Go watch it. Just watch it one time. People, people stand up and, and they can't even move right. They, they come to a curb. We had a, we had a man at our house when Denise and I first got married. I said, look at this guy out front. He'd walk up to our curb, and he would put one foot up, and he'd go backwards. I bet he did that ten times. I finally went outside. I wasn't but 21 years old. I finally went outside and said, said what do you need, man? He was trying to get up to our front door, and he said, uh, 
I need a ride to the VFW. <laughs> Can you give me one to ride? And I said, you don't need to go to the VFW. <laughs> You've been there too long already, you know. But, and I gave him a ride to the VFW. But instability. Can't walk straight. Can't talk straight. Can't think straight. But, but the commercial says, yet he's a man of distinction. Because he has alcohol. He, he's a man of distinction. Look at he. And people think the world of him. People think all of this of him because he drinks this drink. Isn't that what the commercials say? That's not what I'm saying. That's what the commercials say. But the Bible says this. It's not. It's, it's a moral factor. It's instability factor. It's insensibility factor. Verse 25. His sensibilities are deadened. That's what the Word says. It's an addiction factor. The end of verse 35. Yet he will seek it again and again and again. He sobers up. What's wrong? He regrets it. I feel sorry about those things. I wish I hadn't have done those things. Yet he'll wake and he'll seek it again. That's what Scripture says. That's not what Jake says about this. Here's the deception of alcohol. Proverbs 21. Whoever is deceived whereby is not wise. The Bible says this. It's a mocker. That's what the, uh, the beer companies are doing today. They're mocking America. P.T. Barnum said, they're made a million on this, there's a sucker born every minute. You know what? Those, those beer barons, they're counting on it. They're, they're making a mockery of who we are simply through those commercials. Athletic events, biggest sponsors, who are they? The beer sponsors. They're the, they're the biggest sponsors. What are the best commercials at Super Bowl? Y'all remember a few years ago, Budweiser. Three Frog, man, that's a great commercial. I liked it too. Spuds McKenzie, y'all remember him? Some of y'all ain't old enough to remember Spud McKenzie, the little dog, the little beer dog. Man, everybody loved him. It's a mocker. New babies are born. Hey, let's go have a drink. Let's celebrate. That's a mockery. Connie Mack says, Alcohol has thrown more men out of baseball than all the umpires ever put together. That's what it is. It's, it's a deception. Folks, we have been deceived by what takes place today in our breweries and around our nation. Here's the last thing, and I know I'm out of time. What's the deliverance? You know, we, we read, and I've preached on this over in a... Uh, we talk about... Uh, help me out, Doug. We talk about, uh, y'all see that spider web? Who's the guy in the Old Testament that Doug's gone? Who's the guy in the Old Testament that uh, run out of the woman's house and she grabbed his cloak? No. Joseph, thank you. Y'all believe I forgot Joseph? What did he do when he was, atten- when he was tempted by sin? He, he ran from it. The, the Bible said he, he fleed from it. When the Bible mentions alcohol, in verse 31, it says, don't even look at it. Don't even be seduced by it. Don't even be drawn to it. Because, you know what? Alcohol is a devil's substitute for a spirit-filled life. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8, it says, Be not drunk on wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, I want to ask you to go back today and and at some point go to Proverbs chapter 23 
and, and begin to look and see what God's Word has to say about this subject. Don't just simply look to me and say, well, Jake don't like this because he don't do this. I didn't even get into the part about how it affects our witness. I had a long conversation right back there in that corner one day with a lady that I said, you're telling me if you see me tomorrow, if Charlotte's peeking on me from across the fence, and uh, she sees me drinking a can of beer, if that won't affect what she thinks of me. Maybe, maybe might not. If y'all go out to this, to this day, and we go over to Commerce, and we go to Luigi's to eat, and, and y'all come in, and Denise and I have a couple of bottles of wine around on the table, what are you going to say? He just preached on that this morning. But you're going to say, well, nothing wrong if I have a drink or two, but look at Jake over there. What's he think he's doing? It affects your witness to others. Others look at you and say, well, you know, he's, he claims to be a Christian. This lady I was talking with, she said, I never do that. I never think that. I never do that. It's just our nature. Be not drunk on wine, but be filled with the Spirit. I want to close with that this morning. But I want to give you a couple of opinions. There's a couple that stopped coming to our church, and I've told you about this before. I want to tell you who they are. But they said, your messages are too political. Well, at first I thought about that, and uh, I thought, what well, are they? And then I thought, man, that's the greatest compliment I've ever had. I didn't realize it at the time. That is a great compliment. That's a great compliment. People can say, you know what? We come to your church, and we realize where our church stands and where our government stands, and we realize there's something there. And folks, there's a, always thrown up separation of church and state and all the things. You know what that really means? That means the government shall do nothing about what the church has to say. That's, what the, that's, that's how it was written. And, and we've taken it and we've twisted that around to mean all kinds of things. I was on MSN the other day, and I saw a little thing that said, uh, 50 books you must read before you die. And I'm kind of a book guy, you know, and I, I thought, I want to look at that. Of course, the Bible wasn't in there. But I was going through and looking at all these different books and all these different books, and I ran across this, Dave Ramsey's Dollar and Cents. Y'all heard of that? And, and, and that's a good program. We're probably going to do it here sometimes. And in the description of that, it said this, there are many religious references, but you can just ignore them, and it's still a good book. <laughs> now, that's what it said. It said that in the note. This is a great book you should read in your lifetime, but just ignore the biblical references. If you're not religious, that's what it said. I understand this week, we, we're going to vote. Oh, why did he preach about that today? Next Saturday. We're going to have an opportunity to go to the vote and say, do we want Delta County to be wet or not? I understand you got some flyers that, that on the bottom of that flyer it said, this is not a biblical issue. <laughs> Y'all get that? Did y'all see that? This is not a biblical issue. Why isn't it? We just spent 45 minutes reading straight out of God's Word what the Bible has to say about it. Well, there ain't but three counties in all of Texas. Well, amen, we're one of them. Isn't that great to have that distinction? We're, we're separated from the things of the world right now. Oh, I hear the argument and read in the paper. Well, we need that revenue in Delta County. I want to ask you to do this. If you're on the bridge and you're saying, I'm really not sure we do need the revenue, I want to ask you this week, go out 
Highway 24 and take a right on Highway 50 and drive down to Ladonia, Texas. Drive around that town and see how that alcohol has helped their revenue. Just take a look. There's two stores in that town. They're both beer stores, and one of them went out of business. There's one operating business in the town of Ladonia. Boy, they've really benefited, hadn't they? We get all these quotes in the paper. Look at all that Suffer Springs did. Look at the revenue they're drawing in. You know all those statistics that were quoted were about companies that sold liquor? Had nothing to do with beer and wine. They didn't make it in the paper, did it? Let me give you another thought. All this revenue that we're going to get, these quotes from Ben Snow and from Kathy Mariner, we're going to get all of these things in, and this is going to happen, and that's going to happen. Do you think New Way is going to build some new coolers? What are they going to do? They're going to take products out of those coolers that we buy now. They're going to replace them with something else. So, yeah, there may be some revenue generated in this end, but you know what's going to happen? That revenue that was generated over here, it's gone now. So it's, it's, it's just a lie of folks saying, hey, let's do this. And I want to just add this with tongue-in-cheek as we close this morning. If we can get revenue from that, why not legalize marijuana? Hey, we could be the richest county in Texas, couldn't we? Couldn't we? Let's push for it. Hey, we need revenue in Delta County. Why not, why not open a gambling casino here? That would surely bring a lot of revenue to Delta County. Or why not open a house of prostitution? Boy, could, we could make some money on that, couldn't we? Don't stand behind an ideal of we need this for our county. But ask yourself, what does God's Word have to say? That's it. Don't remember what I said. Don't remember my opinions. Don't remember anything said here today other than what does God's Word have to say about the subject. I'm not trying to make you guilty, feel guilty, feel bad. I'm not trying to, to, to get in your own house. I'm not mad at you. I know there's folks here that drink in this congregation. I'm not trying to point you out and bring you out and everything. I'm simply saying this. Here's what God's Word has to say about the subject. And I'm simply asking you, would you look into it and would you allow God to direct you and to direct your thoughts when it comes to that subject? Let's pray together. Father, this morning as we just look into your Word, we realize, I realize that we're a finite being talking to an infinite God. And so often we have our opinions and we have, I think, but Lord, I pray that we would understand that there's wisdom in your word. The creator of our human body has given us wisdom of how to care for ourselves. I know there's eating disorders. I know there's so many other things, but in that subject, you've covered issues. And Lord, I pray that we'd be able to put aside our opinions and our thoughts and we would go to your word for wisdom and we'd find that wisdom in the words and Proverbs. Lord, I pray for myself and my family. I thank you, Father, that you've so often and, and we've been delivered from that temptation and we've been delivered from that desire. Father, I pray for others that even now they struggle with that in their families or they have friends or they have other acquaintances, that they can see the struggles. I pray, Father, that you would teach us to minister to those who are crying out for something. Lord, I pray that we would know that you are fill us with your spirit and you, you tell us to let 
your spirit fill us with those desires we have to chase after the worldly things. Lord, I pray in this church and in each of us, you would just direct us, you would direct our thoughts, and Father, that you would lead us the way you would have us to go. I pray today, Father, that uh, anything that's been spoken today that would be outside of your word or outside of your will would be remembered no more. But I pray, Father, that we would know and understand the truth of your word. And I pray this now in the name of Jesus. Amen.